Welcome everybody to the Potentially Human podcast with your hosts, Alexandra Janelli and Aubrey Levitt. Today we're being joined by Simon Brady, who is owner at Anglia Advisors, who's here to let us humanize him and his company. So welcome, Simon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. I was hoping you could start by telling us a little bit about your company what and what you guys do. Uh, well, when you say you guys, it's actually just me. Okay, you, you uh, and all yourselves. Me and all myself, and the uh, compliance officer, the janitor, and everything. Um, so the company's been around since early January this year. Um, my background prior to this was a Wall Street background. I was a financial advisor at the United Nations, um, and I decided that the way I was being pushed to deal with clients uh, from a financial planning perspective um, was not serving them well, was not making me comfortable at night. Um, the pressure I was under to force clients into making financial decisions that really benefited the provider of those services rather than the client um, was bothering me a lot. So I figured the only way to uh, address this and not feel that pressure anymore was to set up my own firm and deal with things the way that I want to and the way that I feel comfortable with and I think the client benefits better from. Amazing. So there's a real drive, it sounds like, for you to service a client in the way that felt very authentic. Authentic is, 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 is a very good word, yes. And genuine. And yes. What other words come to mind when you think about what your company stands behind him for? Well, there's a couple of very boring words that come to mind, like uh, <laughs> fiduciary, which is a word That's that a sends, word. People, sends people to sleep, but it's actually <laughs> absolutely critical to this whole whole process. It, the financial system in the United States, and actually in most countries, is, is built upon financial firms, mutual fund providers, insurance companies, etc. Getting their products out to consumers at the highest rate possible, and most financial advisors are simply a vehicle for these companies to do that. The benefits to the client of the advice or the recommendations or anything else is a secondary concern to these organizations, um, and it's all structured in such a way that the compensation for these advisors is based upon the amount of particular products that they sell to clients. They're no more than, they're really no more than somebody who works in Macy's at the perfume department and gets and gets compensated by the amount sure. of perfume they spray on people and that they buy. Right. Um, Don't you love that? <laughs> hate it. Inundated with smile, you're like, no. Um, but there is another, there is another road and it's a long road to get there and there aren't many of us who do it, but um, you'll see on, a, on the business card there the CFP designation mm -hmm. that's in there, uh, stands for Certified Financial Planner mm -hmm. and that took three years of night school, a horrible, horrible exam uh, to get through, but once it's achieved, it is a signal to the client that you are not dealing with somebody who is compensated for what they're selling to you rather than um, what is best for you. So you're coming so with credentials. The credentials actually does what some people regard as baggage that comes with that designation, which is mm -hmm. I am forced by law to work in a 
use that word again, fiduciary <laughs> capacity, manner. Yeah. which means I will sign a bit of paper that says in the course of this engagement, I, w I commit to always acting in your best interests. Uh, I commit to disclosing any conflicts of interest and I will resolve oh, wow. those conflicts of interest in your favor. Um, if you go to a guy, not to pick on individual companies, but they're all the same, you know, a Merrill Lynch guy or a New York Life guy or a MetLife or Morgan Stanley or any of these people, they will not sign that um, because they very specifically uh, are told by their employers that they are not to act in the client's best interest at all times because it may be in the client's best interest that they sell them a product for which they're not compensated. So there's a lot of integrity behind what you do. So integrity, authenticity, genuine, what other words would you describe? Um, I think uh, um, the word that comes to mind uh, is more um, revolves around, I need to know what the client needs. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to go and see a financial planner today. There's always a catalyst of some kind. It can be a loss of a job, it can be um, divorce, death, seeing someone in your family being financially abused. I had a client recently who, who sought me out purely because she woke up on her 30th birthday and thought, ah, I've done nothing for my retirement, I'm really old now, and all this sort of right. stuff. So there's, there's some reason why they're sitting in front of you. So you have to really listen to sort of listen. what their beliefs are, where they're coming at it from. Absolutely, otherwise I can't do my job properly. I mean, you don't go to a foot doctor and get an eye exam. I mean, right. the, the, the reason they're sitting there is because they've got something, and I want to hear what that is. Now, spawning yeah. off that, we may find multiple other issues that, that they perhaps didn't even know that they, uh, that they had. So you're investigative. Um, it becomes very investigative, and it's, as you, as you mentioned before, it's a lot of listening early on. Find out what, why they're there, why they're in front of me today. Wonderful. Right. And one of the things that I'm, so you're a one-person company, so it becomes very easy then to look at your values and how that plays out, but I'm curious from your perspective of how you go about um, infusing those, like when you're meeting with a client, is it, you know, like you're saying, asking them questions or so that way you're, you're following through on that integrity of um, finding out what their needs are. Like I how do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? I think you have to provide and these other companies hate this word, you have to provide transparency. Right. So uh, early on in the engagement, so the engagement sort of follows a, a situation where somebody will sit down with me, I'll listen to them, um, I'll give a brief description of how I might be able to address those issues, they'll walk away, they'll come back and say, okay, let's, let's go ahead. And then it becomes a kind of data harvesting process. Mm -hmm. So if you're concerned about this, let's bring these uh, this data in but during that those early stages uh, I get across to them that the only compensation for this engagement is going to be from you the client I'm not being paid by any third party to promote recommend sell you a particular product um, and that's where the fiduciary aspect comes in so they know that not only am I acting in their best interests at all times, um, their interests are all that is driving me. So product A versus product B, a regular advisor would normally be compensated, I don't know, $500 for product A if he sold it to the client, $300 for product B. Of course he's gonna push product A. Product B may be far more suitable. I 
divorce myself from that world. I say to them, you know, you can be comfortable that the recommendations are there. Um, the client will walk away from the meeting knowing exactly what this engagement is going to cost, not just in terms of fees to me, but in terms of uh, the ongoing costs of perhaps some of the investments that we're going to put them in. Um, and they can then make the decision uh, as to whether they think that's viable. Again, that's very different from the other places where the, the, the costs are hidden. And when you're saying transparency, I guess that's something that we are working with, meaning that a lot of times people look at, okay, what is, who is this client we want to work with? Who is that person? How can I mold myself to be appropriate for that person? Where versus the other flip side of that is if you're authentic and you're transparent in your actions and you're clear about, then naturally the, the clients who are seeking that are going to match best with you and you guys will know up front who works, who is wanting that, essentially. And this is where the startup element starts to come into this. So given the model that I described that's out there, um, there are two demographics that I focus on, I've chosen to focus on. Being a, a, a catch-all financial planner in New York City is, is, is very hard. There's a lot of them. Sure, right. Um, so I think the whole niching element is very important. So I try to look at which demographics have been ignored by the traditional financial planners mm -hmm. um, and which ones that I have a certain amount of expertise and experience in addressing. And I came up with two. One is the foreign national community in New York. Um, if you're here on a visa or a green card, uh, you face a number of issues that Americans do not. Uh, and if you're working with an advisor, that advisor needs to be up on those. The other demographic is the 25 to 45-year-old individuals who've been ignored by the financial planning community. Mm -hmm. And there's actually, a, there's actually a mathematical reason why they've been ignored, which I've, my startup has, has got around, which is the traditional way a financial advisor is compensated is not only on selling the products and getting the backhanded um, payments through commission, but also managing the assets. So if you, a client hands over a million dollars to a client, to an advisor to manage and they're charging, for argument's sake, 1%, they'll take $10,000 out of that account at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. If you hand an advisor $100,000, that advisor's getting $1,000 out of that over the course of a year. If you hand them the, if you're a 25-year-old and you've got $20,000 in your 401k or your bad example for a 1k IRA you know that advisor is getting $200 so of course the advisors are not not interested in that demographic because they'd have to have a thousand clients to make so it work really identified in a lot of ways your niche um, as I'm listening to you talk coming up from more of the subconscious and behavioral perspective I'm hearing that there's a real comparison between these bigger companies and who you are yes. right and if we go into the humanization process a little bit, how would you, if you were gonna, if you had to take this big conglomeration of all of these bigger companies that you're not, right, and you had to turn them into one person, what would they look like? Like, how would you describe that person? And this, with you know, no judgment, no, you know, just it is in They'd your be opinion. Tall. Uh huh. They'd be broad. Uh huh. They would be somewhat charming to meet. Uh, at the cocktail party. Mm -hmm. um, your initial 
reaction when you met them might be, oh, you know, this is an interesting person, or could be of use to me, or whatever. Sure. But um, they are constantly, they, they constantly have an agenda. So and like they're scanning the room as much. They're scanning like, the yeah. room. And if they're talking to you, there's a reason they're talking to you, and that reason is not uh, really anything to do with you. It's to do with what you might, what use you might be of them. We all know people like that. Right. They mm-hmm. kind of yeah. just want to cut to the chase and be like, fast forward, <laughs> just open your wallet, show me what's in there. Right. Yeah. Right. But right. The, they'll Who's give. Who? <laughs> right. Who can you help? Who's yeah. in your Rolodex? Yeah. But yep. they'll go. They'll go to the bar and they'll buy you a drink and they'll talk to right. you and, and right. they'll um, they'll. And you're like, oh, I fell for that again. <laughs> exactly. Not a very ingen- a genuine relationship. Right. And I think, um, having said that, I mean, a lot of guys' strategies at bars are to do that, and, they, and it works out quite often very well for them. Yep. But I guess I'm uh, looking at them as, if someone were to be sensible about it and research them, and I guess the equivalent would be, Facebook page, go on their LinkedIn page, whatever it is. As soon as you start to research, you would see the, um, you, would, you would recognize the reason why they're talking to you. So I, would, I would, And I would, some people like that, right? Some people like the name brand. Some people just want to wear Gucci all the time or Prada. Yeah. And some people are like, I don't care about that. That's not, I prefer quality versus, you know, quantity or I prefer. Right. And, and if he invited you to, you know, his apartment for a dinner party, you walk in the apartment and it would be, it would be beautifully decked out, mm-hmm. just as their offices are. Um, there'd be a nice little bowl of munchies in the corner, and you would, you would warm to the experience. But all that's happening here is that there's, there's another agenda going on. It's not. There's no relationship really being built. There's no relationship. Level. So this person's. I wouldn't say he is socio. Havoc, but he's not far off that. He's doing he his has, job. He's doing his job. Um, <laughs> on a mission. And you are a you're a you're a, a cog in his wheel. Okay. Okay. So now let's flip that on you, oh, and let's put right. this. Tell I can see that coming. Yeah, of course. <laughs> let's start with the name of your company, right? Tell us about the name. Uh, Anglia, A-N-G-L-I-A. It's the the word is Latin for um, England, which is where I'm from originally. Uh, I came over here many years ago. Um, and I actually went through the whole uh, visa, green card, dual citizenship process. So that's uh, uh, proved useful for me for dealing with the other demographic we're talking about, with the foreign nationals. Um, this is tough, and don't feel stressed as you go through it, having been through the process and with seeing it go. It's getting your brain to think differently. No. Yeah. And it's, think of it as not personal. It's your company. It's, it can be separate yeah. than you. You know, it's not all your... And this is where the more we're here to help you, formulate it more. And that's going to really make you stand out from that broad, you know, tall gentleman who just has a, <laughs> an agenda. Um, so someone British, for instance, would, would recognize that as being, um, as being what it is, and maybe some Europeans might. Uh, the fact is... A lot of the cool names were gone or were taken already in New York State. Um, I, it occurred to me on a train journey coming home. I like the double A thing because it gives the possibility in, uh, in Just terms so the of listeners logo. know, there's two A's on different lines that are just separated a little with an a arrow. that It's like a check mark that goes up off the second A. Um, but there's no real deep, deep meaning to them. Okay. Name. So if you, given what we already know, right? Your company is honest, has integrity, 
genuine. How else would you describe this person? Let's give them some characteristics first before we give them a face. I think this person um, listens. Mm -hmm. uh, this person, uh, there is an agenda with me as well, but the agenda is to find out what the client needs mm -hmm. as opposed to what I can sell him. Because of the compensation method of the, the fact the client is paying me a fee for my knowledge, not necessarily for the product that I'm going to sell him. Um, in return for that fee, I owe that client my full attention. And so you're very present, this person, your yes. company, they're very present. The first meeting, I, I, I talk for maybe 15 to 20% of the time. That's it. It's really let them, there's, a, there's definitely a therapist element to this. Um, let them get it out. On my other radio show, we, I did it with Greta Zitz, who's a financial planner. She called it uh, money therapy. Yeah, mm -hmm. financial therapy. Financial therapy. Exactly. And that comes back over and over, like um, when, you know, when the markets are crashing, people need, people are going to make grotesque mistakes with their money in those times. And that's exactly when uh, the financial planner can, can step in and be therapeutic and put the client put, okay. put So the there's a therapeutic the element to this company person. Absolutely. So I'm not going to, I don't have a, um, this individual that you're talking about doesn't have a, a preconceived notion of how this relationship is going to go. Um, it's going to go along the lines that the client so dictates. And it can be a very broad scope. I can look at everything from their car insurance through to their estate plan, college planning, retirement planning, everything, student loan debt, whatever it is. Or they can come to me and say, look, I don't want all that. I just have a 401k. I've got 10 choices in there. I have no idea how to allocate them. Can you just do that for me? It could be a very narrow engagement like that, or it can be an extremely broad. And in terms of this person, this company person, What's their ultimate goal? What's the big picture for them? Like their mission, their thing that they're heading towards, that they want? That the client trusts them implicitly for an extended, a very, very long period of time. You know, okay, for so the goal as as is to have a, a network of clients right. that I mean, are with them for life. With them for life. And I have a, um, a subscription model whereby once the initial engagement is completed and implemented and everything else, then there's a, a, a subscription, which is how the, the demographic I would live. Sure. Their whole our life is on subscriptions, right? Gyms and Netflix and everything else. So I put it on that, and then they have the feeling that they have a financial planner at their disposal. And then when they buy a house and when they get married and when they have kids and when they get divorced and when their parents die or it's really part of their family yeah. I that's that would be the ultimate compliment would be um, you know being invited to their kids weddings or being invited to their weddings or yeah, you're reliable you become you become very very I want to become very very close to that the image that came to mind for me when you were saying that was almost like the the neighborhood watch right you know someone yeah. in the neighborhood that everyone can rely on to look over them and you know them you see their kids pass by and that would be the company, you know, the somebody who's on yeah. their side. I kind of, it's funny, and I had a different intake when you described it. It was very much kind of like that uncle that you know that you can call on at any point. They're not super close to you, but they're close enough that mm -hmm. you could call them. Mm -hmm. That's like both of those work, actually. Uh, what? Tell us what comes to your mind when you hear yourself talk about it in this way. 
How do you feel about hearing these things? I... He's smiling, just so you guys know. <laughs> so there's, a little, there's something a little bit disturbing about the uncle analogy because that, sure. that, that gets me... That make, brings to my mind a little bit the guy we were talking about before. Interesting. The okay. Big, the big, broad... Yep. Um, big, bad financial institution guy. That's, I guess, more of the uncle that, you know, the family turned to because they feel he knows... He's, you know, he's got expertise in a certain sure. area. I'd rather people turn to me because their experience with me up to that point had been comfortable, pleasant. I mean, money is, is, is not a comfortable thing to talk about. It's, right, right. it's very difficult to have people open up. It's the second most intimate thing you can talk to anyone about, probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, once it's a really, really nice feeling once you've crossed that line and these people will talk to you. And I find the generation that I'm talking about is very, very open to that after, after a certain degree of comfort has been, has been achieved. And there's a different level of relationship there than the guy who you know is charming to talk to in the bar is very different than the person who is going to be charming when you're talking about something difficult or nurturing when, when you're going through a hard time. Yes. That's a very different person. Like think who you'd call when you know, something happens in your life or your family and, you know, who who you're going to call then versus who you want to call if you want to go out on the town for a night. It's just right. very different people for very different, different people. reasons. <laughs> and, I'd, and again, are you trying to humanize the uh, the role? Um, that's exactly that, that person I want to be. I mean, a lot of the discussions you have to have with people are, I mean, I've just, in the last month I've talked to people about um, divorce, I've talked to people about death, I've talked to people, even talked to people about the death of their children. Not, these are things that haven't happened yet, but things that they need to prepare for. Well, and this is very important because this is what you give off when we first meet you, is there is an element of trust and there's a nurturing uh, component. And I, I believe what you're saying right when I meet you. And I think where this becomes important from a business perspective is, you know, that has to come through in every email you send, that, you know, in the interactions and making sure that everything lines up when the company, if, it, if and when it becomes bigger than you, who you hire. It has to have those same attributes. You know, uh, I like that your business card is not so, it's not stiff and doesn't look like a normal financial planner's business card. Um, it's purple. It has, uh, you know, interesting bigger fonts. It's just, it's a little bit it's out soft of the too, box. The right, card it's soft. Actually, it's a, what is that, silk? The yeah, I got silk. I got silk business card. Soft to the touch. And it right away lets me know that there's something different about you. And the more clear we can be about this person that you described and have that come through so that when you pick up the card or every email, that we know all those characteristics that you said through every detail. That's really what we're after in the long run. What would you name the person in your company? What would you name that humanized company? Like, like your name is Simon, mine's Alexandra, this is Aubrey. Like when you think about that person, the night watch person, the authentic, the genuine, is there a name? What would you name them? Like a human name you're talking yeah. about? Well, this, is, this is where coming from a, a different country it makes, uh, na names mean different things in England. It could be an English name. Hey, sure. Um, it's your company. <laughs> I, I liked, this is a cop-out to your question, That's but I'm right. going to do it anyway. I, I would keep it as Simon because the relationship between me and the client needs to be between Simon and the client. And the vehicle by which that relationship is 
works is Anglia Advisors, but their relationship is not with Anglia Advisors. Their right. relationship is with me. I don't think it's a cop out at all. Actually, I, don't I think either. it's quite right on because that's exactly everything you've talked about. So I wouldn't rename. I wouldn't give it. And a the only reason I ask is there might be times when you get into a pickle or a tricky situation where you can actually utilize the humanized process to go. You know what? I'm having a internally a moral issue, but what would what would Anglia advisors do? What would that humanized person do? And you go back to those core values and thoughts and everything that we've talked about. Um, so it still makes sense for you because you are the, but in terms of how we work with other companies too, just so you understand our thinking process as well. Uh, I, I'm a little bit obsessive with trying to preempt the situation you describe anyway. Um, I send the tone of my emails to my clients is 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 conversational. Um, I mean, I have to have a disclaimer on the bottom sure. of my email, and I have to. There's certain regulations. I'm a registered investment advisor in the state of New York, and that implies there's certain things I have to do. Um, but beyond that, I try to cultivate the 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 professional relationship in such a way that it can mimic a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, clients. Can I've I've had clients who <laughs> are doing things that to me are very very simple, like opening an IRA. I mean, it really, is not that difficult. But you have to accept that people are not people's DNA is not is such that not everybody finds that comfortable. Right. Um, and I have to get better. And part of my development as 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 an advisor is without talking down to people. I have to judge, walk this line between talking down to people and uh, in, a, in a sort of patronizing kind of way um, and making assumptions that they know how to do things. You've got to be very careful with the acronyms I use. I've got to be very careful with um, saying to them, well, you know, all we're going to do here is go and open this account and then we'll, uh, we'll deal with that. And sending them off to opening an account could be a very traumatic experience for them. When I, I can do it in... In no time right, so it's been having that patience and, that, and teaching I'm, and leading and guiding. Right, and that's an ongoing, that's an ongoing process. And I would, I would, I ask up front for feedback on that. Uh, please, if I use a throw a term out there that that to me is an everyday term, it's like when you go to the mechanic and he's like, "No, oh, it's your defibrillator." Or whatever. Right. I, I don't understand a word. <laughs> so. But at least it's good to know where, as a human whether it's the company yourself, one and the same, right. there's areas for improvement to say, let me inspect what's working or not working or could be improved upon. So yeah. a lot of, some people when they're too egotastic, uh, don't want to look at that. Well, some people do it for effect. Some people throw yeah. out these acronyms and, and, and set themselves up as, I know this, you don't, just give me the keys to the kingdom and, right. I'll, and I'll deal I'll with it. I'll do it for you. I'll right. do it for you. Right. Don't, don't, don't ask me, don't ask how the plane flies, just sit in your seat. Yeah. Um, or in the therapy world, it's, let me fix you. I'm not going to give you the tools. Yeah. <laughs> you come here every week and tell me exactly what's going on. Then right. I'll help you fix your problems and you can rely on me. So you exactly. keep coming back first. Let me give you a tool. Exactly. And one of the things that we talk about is the stress response of meaning even when these other guys are throwing that out there, it's not if you get nervous or, you know, you're in a fighting match with that, that you don't do the same thing, that you stick to what your values are, which are speak to them in a way they can understand, even if, you know, some, they may go with the other guy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, it has been a pleasure. Um, just as we begin to wrap up, since, you know, it, we're just nearing our 30 minute mark, 
What's your takeaway today from sort of getting a little taste of the humanization process? I, my, my initial takeaway is, thank goodness I have the business that I do, because I think mm. if I had another business, this could have been a very uncomfortable half hour. <laughs> um, totally. But you've, you've, you've tapped into a lot of, um, and as I said, I'm, I'm, my company's two, three months old. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you've tapped into a lot of what I think is important, and it's actually very gratifying to, be, uh, to hear from you guys that this is something that's considered by a number of people to be important. So, yeah, um, yeah th- thank goodness my, my company matches up with your questions. Yeah, <laughs> when you know who you are, you show up very differently in the world, right. right? It's the same as a regular person. When you're very insecure and, you know, have low self-esteem, it's a very different experience with the world around you versus yeah. this is who I am. It's not going to appeal to everybody, but it's going to appeal to the people that like that. And that I want to work with. And that yeah. I want to work with. And you're going to draw those people in and not worry about the people who want to work with a bigger company like a Morgan Stanley. Yeah. I can't have 7 billion clients. I'm yeah, quite, I don't want I'm to. Quite, yeah. Happy, yeah. quite happy with the 100. You wouldn't be able to do what your Precisely. job well. Precisely. And so. be the neighborhood watch. Wonderful. So. Well, Simon, it is a pleasure to have met you. How can people find you? Uh, the website's still under development, um, but will be... Um, angliaadvisors.com www.angliaadvisors.com uh, I can be reached by email at simon at angliaadvisors or oneword.com Perfect and we'll also have his card up on our website under the podcast as well Thank you so much for having me Thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.